You just heard Dent May to kick off the program across the multiverse featuring Frankie Cosmos. That's a very multiverse song. It feels like you're traveling through dimensions while listening to that song. I love multiverse series, so I love this song. I don't have much time to go into multiverse theory, but I highly encourage you to read the Wikipedia article or something about it. But Dent May, Across the Multiverse, title track off of his brand new album. He's still bringing the Brian Wilson sounds, which is fantastic. It's funny, I wonder if Brian Wilson has ever listened to Dent May. Anytime I've written an interview where Brian Wilson is asked about current artists that appear to be influenced by the Beach Boys or Brian Wilson's music, he's usually like, 
Oh, I'm just into like listening to old Frank Sinatra songs and oldies and stuff. Yeah, good songs. But I think he would like that May. This new record's really good. So Brian Wilson, Beach Boys legend, music legend. If you are listening to this podcast, go get that album on yellow vinyl because I'm positive you still have a record player. Okay, so this episode is going to be fantastic. We have Emmy Black, founder of Rhyme and Reason Records in the studio. We're going to talk music, current bands on her label, um, 2017 in general. We'll talk Bar None Records as well, and a bunch of whole other topics. We're just going to... Two music nerds nerding out, so... Stay tuned for that. First, we're going to play a song by A Giant Dog, a new album they just released about two weeks ago. They're from Austin, Texas. The album was released on Merge Records, and they'll be playing at Monty Hall on Friday, along with uh, Asbury Parks or Rock and Roll High Fives, everyone's favorite family band. I, I love that band. And Pat Burns, they live or they live. Unsure of how it is pronounced. So it looks like everyone in the band, they live. The movie, the band. So go see it. That's going to be a fantastic show. Monty Hall, best venue in the tri-state area. Highly recommend this event. Dent May is also playing on Friday at Baby's All Right. So you could go check that out as well. Maybe, you know, Uber between venues. Dent May is playing with Space Captain and Gemma. 8 p.m. Baby's All Right. But right now we're going to listen to A Giant Dog. And then we'll sit down with Emmy Black here in the Look at My Record studio. Here you go, a giant dog toy gun. Enjoy.
right, here we are. Look at my records. Episode 20. Very happy to welcome Emmy Black, founder of Rhyme and Reason Records, to the studio. How are you doing today? I'm good, Tom. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm very happy to have you here. And, you know, we recently met at the WFMU venue at Montgomery Hall about a month ago, right? And uh, I had purchased the poster twice this excellent uh glenn morrow's cry for help poster two times because i liked it so much yeah and you, and you wrote that on our facebook page uh it was great or glenn's facebook page but i uh i looked you up online because i'm like who's buying something twice oh my god and saw your photo and then i saw you in person because as you could tell i'm very obsessed with posters just looking around here so I liked the fact that it was such a nicely made poster on good paper. It wasn't on, you know, crappy flyer paper or whatever is on that hard paper. And I put one in a frame and I'm keeping one in the, the, the tube. So just to start off, you're from New Jersey, correct? I am. Red Bank. Yep. And you started in the music industry working for bar none or did you work for elsewhere before that that? that, that's the first time i really got in the business side before that i worked at some studios and at red bank rehearsal studio doing like setting up bands and that sort of thing oh that's cool um but no my first my first job was at bar none doing a and r for them which morphed into a more full-time gig there how'd you wind up beating glenn morrow and getting associated with Bar None originally. I I was a huge Bar None fan growing up. Yeah. And I I think I cold called him actually looking for an internship. And since he's such a nice guy, he was he's like such a nice guy. <laughs> He was like, "Of course." Yeah, he, right? he invited me into the office. I think I interned there for like 2 weeks and then stopped for some reason and then uh, always kept in touch with him. And, and came back to do some A&R when everyone there had little kids and no one was going to shows. When they when he had kids? Well, he had, he had some older kids, but uh, Ken Beck was there and Mark Lipschitz, and they both had young young children, so they're like, we should get someone to go see some shows. Yeah. And that's what I just did anyway. And I was like, you're going to pay me to do what I do? Yeah. Probably. That's what I do, too. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that when was that like? Did that start? You start there like ten years ago, ish. Yeah, it was two thousand nine. I want to say when I came back to it. Yeah. Doing A and R there. And that's been, a yeah. that's about the time Bar None reissued the two Feelies records. That's I remember right. that. Because yeah. I remember that when I met Glenn for the first time, like six months ago, he asked me how I wound up getting into the Feelies, and I replied. You reissued them in 2009, and I had already really liked Yola Tango, and they're from Hoboken. That's the first time you got into the Feelies? 2009? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, and you're a huge fan. That's great. Yeah. So that that impacted you. Oh, absolutely, because it was more accessible, because I remember when it was reissued, like at the time when I was in college, that's the year I graduated college, um... It, uh, you know, it got write-ups in Pitchfork and stuff, and that was stuff I would read 
to l listen to new music and i was like oh this band from halden new jersey and they used to play maxwell's i've been there like yola tango hoboken all that stuff so then i like looked listened to it and i really liked it and kind of just took off from there they're, they're so great then they rock so hard they do it's it's interesting they are stronger than ever they really sound great playing live the feel is no and they do like four encores it's yeah. It's so great. Were you at any of the shows in uh, Rough Trade or? At Rough Trade? In May? I wasn't at that. I saw them at a World Cafe. Oh, in Philly? Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the Central Park Summer Stage. Yeah, I was there too. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime they're in the area with Beach Fossils opening. And it's funny to see like all the bands that open for them. Beach Fossils are like, we love the Feelies. It was so great to get this opportunity to open for them. I mean, they really—they're legends, and they—they are, and it seems like you could really tell they've influenced a lot of people. And they—and they still rock harder than any young band that I've ever seen. Yeah. So when you were at Bar None, I know you were mentioning to me that you actually discovered a band that's pretty successful right now. I think they may have an upcoming sold-out show at Terminal Five, or. I mean, they have a show at Terminal 5 coming up, and that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I actually saw that. It, it, it blows my mind how big they've gotten. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So the front bottoms, the front right? Bottoms, and yep. do you remember when you first saw them it, for, like, A&R purposes? Um, for, well, I, I went to college with Brian. Really? So okay. So I saw the front bottoms. I mean, they would play. I went to Bramapo, and uh, they would play campus all, all around yeah. all the time. Uh, but I remember the first time I did it for A&R and I brought Glenn. <laughs> well, actually, before that, I saw them at CMJ when I first started working uh, at Bar None. And it was me, uh, Jim Testa, and my friend Lindsay Sanchez in the audience. And that, and that was it. I saw it at, uh, was it? I forget the name of the venue. It was in Williamsburg. Um, but then I brought Glenn Morrow to the meat locker to see them. <laughs> I, I think I brought him like a little flask of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, that's a, you know, it's funny because I've been to the meat locker because it's in Montclair. I'm from Verona. I've probably been there a handful of times. It really took off after I finished high school, though. When uh, I was in high school, we used to go to like Bloomfield Ave Cafe and Oh, stage. I used to go there too. Yeah, that yeah. you know, we didn't, I guess, need the Meat Locker, and then the church there, they had shows there. But the Meat Locker was like, I remember I was in college already. I remember one time I saw Waves there, and the drummer was naked or something. Oh, it's totally insane. <laughs> I mean, it's all underage kids that are drunk, right? Yeah. Like, it's a great, it's a, it's a great venue. It's. It's, I mean, it's a true DIY space. Yeah, in and I think it's cool because it's kind of off the beat. You know, it's not in Brooklyn or even Jersey City. It's in like Montclair. Yeah, and it's even tough to find if you're there. Oh yeah, it's very difficult. <laughs> you got to know where it is. But so you, you kind of hooked the front bottoms up with Bar None. You got them signed to Bar None. Yeah. And now, are they on Atlantic now? I think they are. Well, they're on Field by Robin, which, yeah, which, which is, is owned by, that's a subsidiary, subsidiary of Atlantic. That's right. Fueled by Ramen. I haven't thought about that label in a long time. 
the less than Jake guy, right? Well, and then I think they have fun, right? Fun. The yeah. guy. What's his name? Blended Dunham's boyfriend. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, they're they're killing it. They just, you know, they're getting ready for their upcoming release in October. So. Yeah, that's exciting. And how does it feel to know you've played like an instrumental role in kind of getting their foot in the door? Um, you know, the, the thing about them is they're so, they write songs that people emotionally cl connect with in such a deep way, and they're so good, and they're so hardworking, uh, that I would like to think that this would happen for them, that people could hear this and, and, and truly, I mean, it, it's amazing the reaction that there's, that, that there was, like how, how their music has affected people. But it feels great. It does feel really good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic. I like them a lot, to be honest. So oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, they're a great group. They're one of my favorites. They're, they might be one of my favorite bands. Yeah, they they're, are. They're a good band. And a lot of people will talk about them, too. They're a great band. So good on you. Oh, thank you. But now, so you have your own label now after you left Bar None, but you're still close with Glenn Morrow and everyone. I see his face every day. We share an office. So what prompted you to start up your own label, Rhyme and Reason Records? Um, I was actually, I was working at the Orchard in distribution, uh, uh, working with record labels there. And some opportunities came by for me to do some distro on certain records, like the, a band called The Suffers. Um, so I started a label through the orchard. <laughs> they let me do that. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and it, it sort of took off in a way and grew where I couldn't give 100% to both at that time, so I had to pick one. I never intentionally set out to start a record label. I know it's hard to run a record label, but uh, everything sort of aligned in a way where we're, we're here and, and we're working and you know we're, st we're still able to put out music. That's great, and you have like, you have a partner, right? Yeah, I have a partner, Anne-Marie Scuderi. She's, she uh, is all business, and she's badass, and she's great. She's never worked in the music industry, which is actually perfect. Interesting. Yeah. So how'd you guys wind up hooking up? Uh, she's actually my best friend <laughs> <laughs> ever. So you just approached her, like, I'm doing this? You know, I was telling her about my idea. My idea was sort of initially uh, allowing... Uh, artists that you know could raise money and and want to hold their own copyrights uh, to have another option than to start their own record label because I've seen a lot of times when when bands start their own labels they they put so much energy into learning the business that they stop writing songs yeah which is a real shame so so that was sort of the initial foundation of it and uh, it was always meant to also be an indie label, but we've been sort of focusing more just on the indie label structure now. Um, but she was into it, and and she, you know, she keeps the lights on in terms of making sure that all the, you know, all the all the money's where it should be, and the taxes are paid, and that we have insurance, and it allows really frees me up to do what I know how to do, which is A and R and project management and marketing and talking to artists. It's cool. So that's kind of the philosophy that uh, you're looking for bands, you know, to be, you know, so they can focus on their own stuff. Well, the fly, I mean, it's, it's definitely morphed 
in, mm-hmm. in the three years that we've been around, but it's been mostly, uh, I mean, it's been a pretty true indie label. We also do a lot of distro yeah. for certain artists, yeah, um, and kind of deal with some back catalog. But yeah, I mean, our focus really is, you know, these up and coming baby bands that need a team and that are great and it's, it's the bar none structure essentially. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, you've had a couple of great releases this year so far. Uh, I really like the Pronoun EP. Yes. And how'd you discover her? She's fantastic. That oh, man. five-song EP is really good. What I mean, I love Pronoun. I, I discovered her. I didn't, you know, she, Elise is one of, I, I, she was my coworker and also one of my very good friends at The Orchard. I sat yeah. next to her. And I had no idea that she wrote music at all for about a year. And then one day she sent me some tracks after going through a breakup. And uh, I was like, who is this? <laughs> it's fantastic. And does she, any plans for like a full length soon or? She's definitely writing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more to come. We're not sure exactly what format it's going to take. Um, but definitely some stuff coming this year. Fantastic. So like before before the new year you'd say i think so yeah i mean she has some great new tracks she's been playing them live uh she's been in the studio and i think that that will definitely have some new music yeah i know she played monty hall recently she played monty hall she opened up for andrew mcmahon something corporate guy uh yeah (laughs) i think so yeah Yeah. uh, that was last week and she's uh gonna be playing manchester orchestra's the stuffing which is Kind of like the front bottom champagne jam. I think that's, but the stuffing was first. Uh, down Atlanta, Josh. I don't know why I mentioned that. Uh, she's playing that October seventh. That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's 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 a similar reaction that people have to the front bottoms as to with her music. You know, they they. Yeah, it's very powerful. Her. Very yeah. powerful songs. I could really feel it when I listened to it. So. No, Good just, find. Fantastic. I, I, man, I, I spent so long trying to convince her to put out a record, and then one day she just told me I was putting out the record. So it was great. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I really like Sweet Crude from New Orleans. It's a completely, basically French-speaking record, right, with the well, Louisiana dialect? Yeah, it's almost half and half. It's an interesting yeah. story. I mean, um, that type of French-speaking was outlawed in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, in the early part of the century. And so, you know, it, it almost went away. So they're kind of bringing it back through their music. Yeah, I've, I've read a lot of good reviews of people seeing them at uh, World Cafe in Philly. They played, I think, recently. Actually, I was there at that show that same night the Feelies played. That was <laughs> The Feelies that, played the same night? The Feelies played downstairs and Sweet Crew was upstairs. It was... Oh my gosh, were you running up and down between sets? I saw the feelings and I saw Sweet Crew and it, I didn't even know the feelings were going to be there. I'm like, this is the best night ever. Yeah, Everything that's amazing. I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the two best live bands around. You know, it's... The Feelies live show is incredible. And they Sweet Crude, I haven't seen them live, but you could tell from the music that it probably is a really. Their uh, live show rivals the feelies in a way i mean it's so good you, you gotta see them play. yeah it's a cap it seems like it's a captivating live show oh yeah and you came in contact with them 
by seeing them in the area or? No, actually, um, I came in contact, you know, their manager, um, Reed, had told me about them. I had met him earlier and, and Emily Cadman, who works for me, uh, really did the A&R in that project and brought them on. Um, but I mean, we both saw them. We were both. It was. It's. It's. It's so obvious and clear when you listen to that record and see them that this is such an amazing band. Seems like very high energy band for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're totally. They're totally pumped. Like I've never seen a band in, enjoy being on stage so much. Like yeah. they're clearly having such a great time, and you know, they their music is is amazing, and 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 there's there's some real substance there, and they're hardworking, and they're a great band. And I, I can't wait to see what they do next. I mean, they're on the road right now with Tank and the Bangos. <laughs> which should be a really great show. Yeah, that should be amazing. And of course, Glenn Morrow's Cry for Help. Yes. And he explained, I think, in an interview that he, you know, you guys obviously are close. You've worked with him at Bar None. But he didn't want to put out his record on Bar None because he would feel guilty using all the resources. So it was kind of a natural fit. I think he, he said that. I forget where. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's true. It's hard to promote yourself. Yeah. Um, I think I, I was trying to convince him of that. I think I also said something like, you can't have three of your bands on your own label. <laughs> Two's a limit. <laughs> Which is made up because I really wanted to put out that record. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy about it. Oh, it's such a good album. I really, really like it. It's a great record. It's really kind of, in a way, the history of rock and roll when you yeah. listen to it. There's so many good songs, and it's great to see him, you know, get his songwriting chops back and put something out. It's a long time coming. Very much so. And to have, you know, his band of these, you know, Mike Rosenberg is cool. Like, I always remember him from Maxwell's yeah. and then going to Tunes and stuff. He's a really nice guy. And just to see them all I mean, the band, doing their thing. The band is, I mean, it's, it's, it's for the greatest guys. And, it's, and, the, and they click in a way that makes, I mean, you can see it on stage when they play. They definitely have good chemistry, and they're fun to watch. Yeah, and the record just, it blows me away. I mean, I, I, it's such a good driving record, too. I always listen yeah, to it. Yeah, me too. I listen in the car. I have it on CD and vinyl. So, <laughs> so yeah, I like, uh, I think my favorite song is either Third Act or Kira Knightley. I like both wow, of those. yeah. Kira Knightley is one of my favorites, too. What do you think about 44? That's a good one, too. I really like all the songs. You know, it's a, I'm a big Glenn Morrow fan. I basically like anything he's put out yeah. over the course of the last 30 years. So, You were telling me of the individuals on vinyl. Yeah, and hopefully I'll find that at some point. It's lost in my collection somewhere. And uh, I was I was trying to look for Rage to Live on vinyl, too, on Discogs. Oh. Could you find it? No. Maybe it's time for a Glenn Morrow box set. Yeah, Glenn Morrow <laughs> box set. Hey, Glenn, you ready for that box set? <laughs> you got me. I'll buy two of them. Yeah. <laughs> one to keep sealed and one to play. And I'm sure there's 400 
and 98 other people like that. Yeah, definitely. Maybe. I hope so. I think so. But so was it, what was it like to put out a project for, you know, someone you probably consider a mentor, right? In the industry. A hundred percent. He taught me everything I know. Um, it was nerve wracking for sure. But at the same time, Glenn has very realistic expectations. He's been doing this for 30 years. So, I mean, it was interesting because we share an office. Mm -hmm. So working his record, but also like talking about him while I can see him across the room, it's been an interesting time. But I mean, it's it's one of the my favorite records I've ever put out, and um, I feel so honored that he let me do it. That's really sweet. That's very nice. I mean, it's a real testament. Yeah. When, When you know. That he trusts me that much. Yeah. Was, was great. It was exciting. Yeah, and it's an awesome album. And I really, I mean, it's one of my favorites of the year, definitely. I like it a lot. Me, me too. Yeah. I've been, I've been listening to it nonstop, basically, over the course of since it came out in June, right? Did it come out in June or May? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> For sure. But, um, so we could play a couple of Rhyme and Reason songs right now, if you're into that. Sure. I have a Sweet Crude, um, I'll Don's Lemur. I love that song. That's a good song, right? And uh, Pronoun, Just Cause You Can't. That's a great song. And I was going to do Glenn Morrow, Kira Knightley. You're going to go with Kira Knightley? Yeah, is that yeah. cool? Any other, would you like to hear a different one? This is all you right now. You know what? If Kira Knightley is your favorite, let's go with that. My my favorites change by the week. Okay. Cool. All right. So we're going to start it off with I'll Dance Lemur, and then we'll come back and talk some more. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, everyone. Here you go. Sweet crude. Enjoy. Enjoy.
so much to me But I know you need room to move You need some Nightly. She's on the nightly news and stuff, and Glenn saw her and wrote that song. That's a really good song. I love that song. It's a great song. And now is the portion of the program where you picked some records from my collection, and I picked some, and we're going to play them now. So let's see what you got. You've got the new R. Stevie Moore and Jason Faulkner album which was released on bar none records right it was on bar none records and lost colony records. lost colony records yes and you had you kind of had a hand in this right or well you know uh lost colony records is run by a friend of mine aaron ford and it's a great record label and uh he was talking about this and i was like maybe i'll do physical but this belongs on bar none and it's such a good fit so I guess I did have a little bit of a hand on it with Bar None, but I found an old RCV Moore cassette tape in the Bar None office from like nine, like before 1986, like before Bar None existed. Yeah. With RCV Moore saying like, Glenn Morrow, please help. So <laughs> <laughs> is that how help cry for help? 
No. Oh, who knows how that came about? It sounds like a midlife crisis. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. That's why I like it so much. But uh, this album's really, really good. I like it. I've been listening to it a whole bunch uh, when I drive. And it's stuff. one of the best records. Yeah. That there is. I mean, it it truly is unbelievable that so few people have heard the genius of RCV Moore songs, and Jason Faulkner and RCV Moore together, kind of revisiting old songs, brings it to life with some new stuff. So, also some of these songs on this record are old RCV Moore songs, or a lot of them are. Really, I didn't know that. I believe, yeah. Because to be honest, I'm familiar with RCV Moore, but not like deep into his catalog. So. I just thought it was all new R. Stevie Moore songs. I, there's definitely some revisited R. Stevie Moore on here. Interesting. Well, that's great. Thank you for letting me know. Thank Absolutely. you for sharing that. Do you have a particular song you'd like to hear? Do you have a favorite on this? You know, I really like all of them. I mean, sure. How about Sincero Amor? Sincero Amor. There we go. Or Amore. I'm not sure how you pronounce Amore. that. Amore. Probably both are correct. Okay, so that'll be first up. And then you selected the REM B-Sides collection, Dead Letter Office. It's a collection of B-Sides, I believe, from their IRS record years before they uh, signed with Major Label. Those are all B-Sides from IRS. Um, And... You were saying you love this song, Crazy. It's a great song. It's yeah. A great, it's a cover. Yeah. Yeah, there's some covers on this, right? They're not all covers, right? I'm not... No, it looks like they may be. They might all be covers. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, yeah. So it could be B-sides of... Because now, you know, Pale Blue Eyes, Femme Fatale, There She Goes Again. So these could all be covers. It's definitely possible. Even though it says B-Sides compiled. Yeah. But, so I'm not positive. I think it may be all be covers. I mean, we, we could look at the credits and find out. We could. Being a... Oddities, Collard, and B-Sides compiled. I bet some are original and some are covers. It could be like a fake book. Yeah. It could be a fake book where there's like two originals, right? Yeah. All right. Are there any originals on Facebook? Fake book? Because I know the the most recent Yola Tango uh, stuff like that there, where it's mostly covers. I think there's two originals. Like the the fake book two record. Yeah. I actually haven't really listened to that yet. I'm really excited to do that. Oh, it's great. We could we could play we could totally play uh, play it on the program today. So let's add that to this. Awesome. And. There's a sec- there's a song there's a it's like the second song on the record it's called uh, Rickety I believe and it's an original and it's really really good so we'll play that as well so That's get cool. excited for that I'm very excited and the funny thing that they did I guess they did this on Facebook too but they actually cover their own songs <laughs> like they covered uh, the the song on um, deeper into movies. On I Can Feel the Heart, Two Hearts oh, Beating right. as One. They cover it, you know, acoustic version. Is that considered a cover at that point? I think it's it's like because it's they perform it differently. I think it's considered a cover of their own song. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know on Facebook they did um, 
Barnaby hardly working. There's like a different version of it too. Right. But stuff like that there is great. So we'll play rickety. And so then I selected just to keep up with the theme of you being on the podcast. They might be giants. Lincoln. This is one of the first bar none releases. 1986-88 Bar None Records and I was just gonna stick with the classic Anna Ang. Everybody loves that song. Go with from the hits. They Might Be Giants. Uh, Human Switchboard, Who's Landing in My Hangar to uh, you know, Ron Metz is the drummer of Glenn Morrow's Cry for Help, and this is a really good record. They're actually so. What I was actually curious about is so Ron Metz. What I from what I understood, this is a Cleveland band. They're Cleveland based, but did they move to Hoboken? Because they seem to be a Hoboken band too. I I don't know the answer. You know, I I, I would I would ask Ron about that. I mean, yeah. they definitely had an influence at Maxwell's. Yeah, they did. I can tell just based on we were talking about the Maxwell's. <laughs> Facebook group yeah. for everyone out there that likes to read it. You could see Human Switchboard pop up when the this one guy posts flyers or cutouts from the Village Voice, and they're always on the list. So they're definitely played Maxwell's a lot. And I guess, you know, Ron Metz is in Glenn Morrow's Cry for Help now. And I really like the song Say No to Saturday's Girl. So it's going to That's play a great that. song. That's a great song, right? Another hit. Yeah, I love the hits. I can't, I can't, you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna deny it. I appreciate that about you. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the first uh, individuals record. Um, what's it called? What's this record called? Uh, well, it's a really long name. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Hold on. Oh, it's called Fields. That's right. Yes. Okay, so Fields. And I'm gonna play Dancing with My 80 Wives. It's a great song. Shout out to Glenn Morrow. He's gotten a lot of talk on this show so far. Oh. We love you, Glenn. We do. Love you, Glenn. <laughs> Everyone loves you. And then we were talking, we've been talking about the feelies a lot hanging out here. And I have this 12 inch of invitation. And we're going to play it. The B-side is a remix of White Light, White Heat, the Velvet Underground song. But I think we're just going to play Invitation. But I just wanted to let everyone know what the B-side was. And it's a great record. The cover is them in Snack and Burgers, the old Hoboken establishment where you can currently get some really good brunch. And they make their own donuts. And they're very delicious. So go check that out. Yes, please. And also, it was on Coyote. Yes, it was on Coyote Records, Steve Fallon's label. It's cool. I look up, like, I'm always looking for more Coyote Records releases to just see what else they put out. They put out this band called The Neats, which is a Boston-based band, and they put out their first album on Ace of Hearts, which was the Mission of Burma label or whatever. And they're apparently good i was listening to it so it's cool coyote awesome label steve fallon starting the back of pure platters i believe in yeah which is the old record store yeah 
Pure Platters. I remember telling someone that I wish I was alive to go to Pure Platters. Really? That's the time yeah. that you would go back to? Yeah. <laughs> you could pick one? Yeah, I would. I would pick any time I could go to Pure Platters in Hoboken. That's, a, that's good. I like that. All right. Well, so we're going to hear those songs now. I want to thank you for coming on this podcast. It was a lot of fun talking to you. This is this is really fun. Thank you so much for having of me. Of course, you could come back anytime and you picked some good stuff, so we're going to listen to it now. And thank you again. Thank you, you and get, you're welcome. Of course. Okay, guys, get ready for our Stevie Moore. Here it comes. <laughs>
How about this one? I can't wait for us to do this. Maybe tomorrow. I would say if there was a me for you All alone at the 
64 World Fair. 80 dolls yelling small girl after all. Who was at the DuPont Pavilion? Why was the bench still warm? Who had been there? Or the time when the storm tangled up the wire? To the horn on the pole at the bus depot. And in back of the edge of hearing, these are the words that the voice was repeating. In the glow of each other's majestic Listen and hear my words Are the ones you would think I would say If there was a me for you When I was driving once I saw this painted on a bridge I don't want the world I just want to a house They don't need me here And I know you're there Where the Goes by like the humid air And it sticks like a broken record Everything sticks like a broken record Everything sticks until it goes away And the truth is we don't know anything And, and, and I are getting old And we still haven't walked in the glow of each other's majestic I would say if there was a me for you In the glow of each other's majestic presence Listen and hear my words And the ones you would think I would say If there was a me for you
Thank you.
Invitation by the Feelies. That is probably my favorite Feelies song off of a great, great record. Time for a Witness, but that was a single, 12-inch single that I have with a Velvet Underground cover on the B-side, White Light, White Heat. And again, I want to thank Emmy Black for being on the program. We had a lot of fun. And I hope you guys all enjoyed our conversation. I sure did. It was nice to talk about her label, Rhyme and Reason Records, and just music in general. But now the program is drawing to a close, unfortunately. Can't believe we've already done 20 episodes. I want to thank Emmy for being part of the 20th episode. That's a big milestone. I'm going to send you guys off with a song by Morris Alba. I'm fairly certain they're friends of my buddies and friends of the program, Milkmen. They're a fantastic band, and they have a big show coming up this Saturday. They'll be opening for the Fall of Troy at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. So congratulations to them. That's a big opportunity. And they have a, a tape out. It's called... Stay Asleep, and this is off of Stay Asleep. This is a really, really good song. It's called Moment You Crash, and it's off of their album, Stay Asleep. It's available in cassette form and digital download via Bandcamp. So here you go. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for episode 21. Unbelievable 21 episodes. Keep listening. Thank you.